Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join in the show, you can call in at 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Or you can always join the chat at the Blog Talk Radio page, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Click on the current episode that we're on and uh, ask questions there. If you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread over at liberaldan.com or feel free to join me on Facebook. Follow me there, facebook.com slash liberaldan. And you can leave questions on uh, any of the posts uh, that you might have had or comments or what have you. Um, you can also follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter as well. Uh, and now for this week's headlines. Alabama has dropped charges for a manslaughter uh, for a woman under their new heartbeat law. And this woman who was shot, she was shot, but yet they were going to charge her with manslaughter. In other news, Alabama is terrible. Wait, that's not news. A federal judge blocked Ohio's heartbeat bill from being enforced. That just means that we're one step closer to seeing if Justice Roberts will save the day or not. The Supreme Court refused to hear an abortion law from Alabama, go figure, that was passed last year. Not this one, but the last one. Apparently, Alabama is going to throw a ton of spaghetti against the wall to hope one strand sticks. And spaghetti, I mean women's rights, and by sticks, or sticks, I mean goes down the drain. Bluebell Ice Cream made it their mission to find a woman who posted a video to social media where she opened ice cream, licked it, and put it back into the freezer at the store after returning the lid to its initial location, i.e. on top of the ice cream. Bluebell was very concerned about the contamination that might take place from this woman who dared defile their ice cream, as were many of their customers. Had Bluebell put as much effort into tracking down the listeria that contaminated their ice cream as they did this woman, maybe people wouldn't have died from their ice cream. And finally, tomorrow is July 4th, 
That means Donald Trump is throwing his vanity project called the Salute to America. With a parade including tanks, it sounds like it should be called a block party. A Soviet block party. And that was this week's headline. Now, it's interesting here. Uh, you know, but this parade is just... Anybody who thinks that this is a patriotic thing is just... You, you're not paying attention. This is all about Donald Trump's ego. He sees the parades that have been thrown in the past, especially done by and or for dictators that he's cozying up to, like Lil' Kim or Putin. And he wants one of his own. He wants America not to celebrate the formation of this country. He wants America to celebrate him. And he just can't understand why. Uh, a lot of this, when I first heard the name, though, the Salute to America, or uh, it just sounds like the have you ever been to Disney World? Lord knows I have. But if you've ever been to Disney World in Hollywood Studios, the former MGM Studios, they have the uh, Muppet Theater 3D, where you have this little show and they go around and you know all around the, the labs of the Muppets and you see all these 3D effects and it's very cute. But the end of it, the grand finale, is uh, Sam the Eagle throws a parade or a celebration with fireworks and everything and he calls it a salute to the countries of the world but mostly America and of course being the Muppets everything goes wrong uh, everything starts firing at each other the, the fireworks go crazy Miss Piggy loses her dress I can just imagine that that the fuster cluck that is what that turns into, I just can just imagine. Like, what if they roll a tank, like, over a bridge and they can't, ha- handle, they can't handle the weight of the tanks and you wind up destroying a bridge or something? Like, I could only imagine the horrific nature that this is going to be. And then this genius we have as president... He's a very stable genius, so he'll he'll have you know. He touted the fact that we we're going to have these brand new Sherman tanks. Sherman tanks. Now, I wanted to download a Sherman, Sherman, Sherman from the professor, but I just didn't have the time. But, you know, you get the idea. Now, here at Liberal Day and Radio, I was thinking about perhaps how would I make a guide? to help you watch uh, this travesty that is the salute to America by Donald Trump. Um, I have a couple of suggestions, you know, maybe you should be on your toilet pants around your ankles, rapidly firing away tweets like our dear leader, or maybe you could be uh, sobbing into a bowl of ice cream, wondering how our country got to the point that it is. And if you really just want to end it all, you can just make that ice cream bluebell. Odds are you might get some listeria or this tainted woman spit or whatever. I don't know if she's, I don't know if she's tainted, but the, the spit tainted the ice cream. Maybe you'll get lucky and get it, the spit and the listeria. It's a double whammy, if you will, to bring in the 4th of July 
in celebration of the tyrant that we have as our president in what should be a celebration of us freeing ourselves from tyrants. And when I say ourselves, I mean white people because freedom for black people didn't come in this country until much later. So let's go ahead and take the first break. And if you want to call in, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join in the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Now, when I first tried to do the show about a month ago and my cable failed, I didn't have as many of the bits that I like to do planned because, well, first of all, I potentially was thinking that I might have new listeners. And if I did have new listeners, then I didn't want to subject them to what I normally do for words of redneck wisdom. But then it took a while for uh, my cable company to get on their butts and actually fix my internet. But apparently uh, I called my wife and did a test on this before I was actually live. And uh, I think my sound is much better this time. So hopefully we'll be able to keep doing this week after week. Uh, for as long as possible. Um, But I also, in those weeks, found uh, some new fodder for my words of redneck wisdom. And so I I have a feeling, now some of the clip that I'm going to actually play is me talking on another radio show about uh, some topics. I have a feeling that these these people are going to create... uh, uh, I would say uh, a gold mine 
of misinformation, but maybe I should just call it a pyrite mine of information because, wow, they're just very special to say the least. But let's go ahead and do uh, words of redneck wisdom, and then we'll talk about who these lovely ladies are and uh, what they've said before and why I continue to think they would be a, a gift that keeps on giving. And now, this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. sure what your point is. My point is, is that you can't criticize people for saying that America isn't great now when you were voted for somebody who was saying America wasn't great before. But he didn't so, say that. No, he didn't say that. He said yeah, to make You're parsing words. That means it's not currently great. See, it's, it's you're using point. language. This is, this yeah. is exactly yeah. what, what the left does. Under Obama. You have just heard more words of redneck wisdom brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. It's just hard not to laugh. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so a little background on this discussion. It was uh, said that there was a large uh, uh, poll done and, and a large portion of people who are not proud of this country are Democrats or liberals, people who dislike Donald Trump. And I called in and I had to state my opinion on the matter simply because of the fact that your president, their president, uh, stated that uh, his campaign slogan was make America great again, not make America greater, but make America great again, meaning that at some point in his opinion that we were great, but we were not great at the time. So we were going to have to make America great again, meaning we're not great. And just, I'm parsing words. I'm using language, and that's what the left does. Yes, the left uses language, folks. The left uses language. And that's how, (laughs) wow, just unbelievable how these, People, they have their own talk show on, on that radio station once a week for a couple of hours, and that's fine, whatever. Uh, they, One of these women, uh, Mimi, as it was, uh, she, um, she was one of the people, she got kicked out of a Mardi Gras crew. For those who don't live in New Orleans, a Mardi Gras crew is just basically the group that puts on the parade. So she is in a particular parade. I forget which parade it was, but you're not supposed to throw political throws from Mardi Gras parades. It's against many rules. It's against the rules. I think it's against the law. Uh, You're only supposed to throw silly, funny things. And so uh, she and a bunch of other snowflakes who were very upset that uh, former Mayor Mitch Landrew took down the Confederate participation trophies, they... They decided they were they were going to fight it and they were going to do whatever it is they wanted to do. And so they had to try and keep this monument up. And she had beads made that was like forever Lee Circle or whatever. Because now Lee Circle is it's a still a circle. Um, it used to be called Tivoli Circle. They could just call it Tivoli Circle again and that would be fine. 
No, that would, that would be conserving what it was. If you want to be a conservative, it would be conserving what it was. But, you know, they, they still have a, the big pedestal, a very long pedestal that Lee was standing on top of. Um, and they, of course, you know, want the statue to return and yada, yada, yada. And just, <laughs> but the funny thing was the week before I had called in, maybe it was two weeks prior, and there was a conversation about the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights, and, and they were asking me about if I supported the Second Amendment. And I said, you know, there are some times where liberals don't uh, understand the um, – or maybe forget the last four words of the of the Second Amendment, but every single time conservatives forget about the first four words, well-regulated militia. And a well-regulated militia being necessary, blah, 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 blah. And it's not in there, as she said. It's not in there. What's not in there? The word regulated. I guarantee you that the word regulated Regulate is not in the Bill of Rights, is what she said. If you, I mean, I don't know if that podcast, that I don't know if that podcast is still up there, or that a recording of that show is still available to download. But holy crap, did I have a good belly laugh at that! I had one of the best laughs I've had in a very long time, uh, simply because she was insisting that she was right, and she was wrong. But here's the thing, and of course, every time I call it, this is what liberals always do. They, liberals always do everything, you know, that that is bad. They can't take any personal responsibility for what they do. They can't, you know, these conservatives, you know, she, and to his credit, the host, who was a conservative himself, came back after she said that it's not in there. He pulled up the language of the Second Amendment. And showed that I was correct. And again, they made one of the liberals always do this. They always try and do gotcha moments. They gotcha. They gotcha. Well, you know, I wouldn't have been as hard on the person if she would have just simply said, I believe that this is the case and not trying to make me look like a fool or an idiot or trying to, she was trying to be nasty to me. But yet, when I proved her wrong, she didn't have the integrity to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I said you were wrong. I was the one who was wrong. I apologize. Nope. To conservatives, apology is a weakness. To admit that you're wrong to anybody other than Jesus is a weakness. And what is a strength is to attack a liberal even with, and double down on your wrongness to be more wrong because it's better to double down on you being incorrect than admit that you might be flawed. So that's just as that was them. That's, so, so they may very well be a source, and maybe other callers as well. I, I for a long time uh, when I was doing Uber full time, I was not really up during his show, and so the ability of me to uh, listen uh, and and be able to find uh, gems from there is was was few and far between, but now that I'm working back full-time nine-to-five job, um, driving in, listening in, writing code while listening on the, to the live stream on the computer, you know, I may be able to snag more and more of these gems coming from his caller and not have to go back to the 
ignoramus that I normally would quote by quote. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I have a feeling that they are going to be like herpes, just a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, on, on somebody else's page, she was like, I said something. She was like, you're banned from calling the show. I've never called their show. It'll be interesting to see if Jeff uh, allows me to call in uh, during their, when they're guests every Tuesday morning. It's just amazing. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about before the bottom half break uh, are, are these Supreme Court rulings that came out? A bunch of them, of course, came out the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and we have time to talk about what they're going to look at the next term. But you know, one of the things uh, the Supreme Court did with Roberts uh, was a 5-4 ruling. So we all know how that went. We all know who the four were. We all know who the five were. And we know that Roberts, you know, the only, only decision, the only difference is who's the fifth. If there's a 5-4 ruling, you know who one, you know who that four of them are going to be the liberal ones, and then you're going to have the other, of the other five. Will one split off and be the oddball this time? So in some cases it's been Roberts, in some cases it's been Gorsuch. Uh, I think in even one case it might have been Kavanaugh, but it's it's never going to be Alito, and it's never going to be Thomas. I remember rulings back when Scalia was alive that were eight to one. And in rulings, you think Scalia would, would say, you know, Hey, you know, this is, this is, this is would be seven, two. And Scalia, no, even Scalia, he would write the majority opinion of these sometimes and be like, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is a violation of rights and this, that, and the other. And justice Thomas, especially in cases dealing with uh, criminals and criminals being treated un- unfairly, he would just be that lone one. There was one, and I don't even remember. It was recent, and I don't remember which one it was. I need to go back and look that one up. Maybe during the break, I'll bring that up before I talk about the election. But you had, but it was one, and it was about victims' rights. And I was like, well, <laughs> we all know who the one is. It's Clarence Thomas. So first thing, though, the Supreme Court ruled against Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump wanted to put a citizenship question on the uh, on the census form, and the problem was that Roberts basically said, "Look, this reasoning that you're putting for having this is contrived, and I don't believe you." Basically, Roberts has said, "said You are lying to the court, and therefore the court is going to rule against you." Now. Uh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Alito, Thomas apparently didn't have any problem with being lied to as long as conservatism followed its merry way. But the issue of whether or not, you know, it's, it's obvious why they want to put the citizenship question on the census. You know, he's pandering to his racist base he's pandering to uh he, he wants to try and take votes take people who might be afraid to answer whether or not they're a citizen uh, might be less likely to fill out a census form and therefore when you're counting the population of the of like states like california maybe they might get less 
citizenship unless they might lose a seat in Congress. They might lose funding on things based on funding formulas that are based on population. This is why they're doing what they're doing. It's clearly why they're doing what they're doing. But the Trump argument was that it was going to be something else, and Roberts was having none of it. Not whatsoever. Now, so, and there are arguments that are going to be made, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether or not the person is a citizen or not, whether or not you should count them or should count them differently. You know, the the Constitution is clear that all you should need is an index card. Just give everybody an index card. How many people are living at your house? Boom, there you go. Done. There's your census. That's all you need. All you need to do. Mail in your census card. People who don't mail in their census cards, you go knock on their door. Hey, how many people are living here? Doesn't matter if you're citizens or not. How many people are living here? Cool. Bye. But, of course, they're going to want to put more information in the census to cover other sorts of information like your demographics, age, race, ethnicity, nationality, yada, yada, yada. But some of this is used for counting and used for gerrymandering because you're able to figure out how many people live where. And if some of them aren't voters, then you get to draw lines. You get to draw lines on a map and you get to pick your voters because after the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 against Donald Trump. You know, which it's it's kind of counterintuitive almost that Donald Trump would want to. You know why he wants to do it? Because he's pandering to the racist base. But in reality, Trump shouldn't want to ask that citizenship question if Trump wants to help retain Republican control. Because if you remember Joe Barton, Joe, you lie, Joe Barton. Uh, during Obama's Save the Union, if I'm recalling this correctly, and I believe I am recalling it correctly, his district was drawn in such a way that you had a plurality of non-voters in Texas, likely Hispanic, Latinx voters. And Likely, and, and so he was able to, you know, so you, you carve up a plurality district that's plurality non-voters, and then you put more Republicans into the than Democrats. So you have the district that's big enough, but you're still able to grant yourself a win. And that's part of what the game gerrymandering. I had the people on uh, who developed a gerrymandering game and, and I've played a couple of games. I like it. It's a cute game. It's not the most difficult game in the world. Um, it, 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 there, there are other, usually the games that I play require a lot more skill, but my six year old actually loves it for being, you know, if actually for being a game that's not supposed to be for six year olds, he loves drawing the lines. I guess there's something to be said there about the fact that I have that drawing lines on a map is something that a six-year-old might like to do. 
But the Supreme Court ruled that they don't have the authority to draw lines. So therefore, it's up to the voters to vote out the people who draw bad lines. And I 100% disagree with the ruling. I mean, I agree with the idea that the Supreme Court doesn't have the authority to draw lines. But it sure as hell should have the authority to throw out poorly drawn lines. If you draw lines that specifically take away a person's voting power, a group's voting power, yeah, the Supreme Court should be able to say, screw you, redraw this in a way that's much more reasonable. And there are ways to do it. There are methods of doing it beyond going to what I would prefer, which would be a slate system. You eliminate drawn lines altogether. Say, okay, this state has, California has 53, for example. Well, you can make slates as big as 53 and then if if you if your slate of candidates get you know 50 percent of the vote or whatever round it up or whatever maybe you get 27 seats so the top 27 people are the ones that get picked or maybe you have other slates that are smaller and well if those slates can get enough people to get enough votes to get one or two in and maybe that's how other parties could kind of make headway into our political process. And then eventually you wind up, you know, yeah, they're going to have to build some coalitions in order to pick a speaker, but you might have like a Louisiana, you have six congressional districts because of the census. And one of them is a Democrat seat, five the other five are Republicans. If you look at how they voted for governor, 60, 40, 60% of the state voted for the Democrat. 40, I don't know, it's 55, 45, I believe. Uh, so again, but more than half. But even if you look at the presidential race, I think that was 60, 40. 40% of the state voted for Hillary Clinton. Which means that if you if you do it right, if you have if you if you drew the lines in such a correct way that wasn't discriminating against anybody, you could probably have two Democratic seats coming from Louisiana. And if you did it that way, if you did it a slight way, guess what? You can uh, you could do it without having to draw any lines. But there are other ways to do it. Like if you you, you draw out districts, like you have one person, I think it's you have one person draw districts on a map. And then the other person picks one district It says, that's mine. If you're if you're like if you're if one person's a Republican, one person's a Democrat, and then you erase the the other lines on the map, you keep that one district, but you erase all the other all the other lines. Then you have the next person draw a bunch of districts on the map with the remaining population, and then the Republican goes, "This is the district I want," and then you go back and forth. And that way you wind up having lines that are drawn. You, you, know, you don't want to allow, when you're drawing the lines, you don't want to draw lines that are going to benefit your opponent in any way. But they're still going to pick the best one. And then the other person is going to do the same thing. And they're going to draw lines on a map. They're going to draw the best one. So on and so on and so forth. But 
As of right now, Supreme Court says that they don't have the authority to rule on it, and that's just complete bogus. They should act like just like with marriage. The states have the right to define marriage as they see fit, except for the fact that they cannot make rules that discriminate against people. They can't make rules that violate the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, etc. So, so banning gay marriage is one thing they can't do. Banning interracial marriage is another thing they can't do. Now, one state wants to say that you can only get married at 18. One state wants to say, hey, we think you should be able to marry at 17. Hey, the states can make those rules. And if somebody has a legal challenge to make on those rules, then, well, they can, they're free to make those, make those legal challenges in court, and the court should have the authority to determine whether or not those laws are also legal. Just like with gerrymandering. Draw lines on the map. The court should be able to say, no, 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 no. Go back and redraw those lines because they're unconstitutional. Well, the one I want to talk about before the break. Being passed out means you're consented. No, I'm not talking about Brock Turner, although I'm sure there's a lawyer out there who's probably trying to make the argument that maybe Brock Turner's case should be returned because of this ridiculous Supreme Court ruling. No, and I don't feel like you're a drunk driver. You're a piece of crap. And I have no sympathy for you. But as a general principle thing, this should not be the case. The Supreme Court ruled that being drunk and passed out in your car you, the Wisconsin law, I believe it was, said that they draw blood. Person challenged the blood draw because they didn't feel that it was they didn't feel they didn't consent to it and they didn't get a warrant. The cops didn't get a warrant. What are the I think exigent circumstances? Basically, you need to do it now. There's a, there's a risk of not doing it now. You that know, they rule okay. Well, you can get the blood because. They've said that by driving, you have as such consented to a blood draw if you're, if you're passed out. Now, I don't know if that means that if I'm not passed out, does that mean they can still grab me and hold me down and force me to have my blood drawn? In no way, shape, or form should our country ever consider somebody who's passed out to have consented to anything. Period. End of story. But, you know, that's our Supreme Court for you. Anyway, let me go ahead and take the second commercial break. Come back. We'll talk about the presidential election. Take your calls as well. Uh, Area code 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com. 
a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You could also join us in the chat room and ask your questions there. And you can finally uh, leave questions, comments, concerns, etc., either on the show thread at liberaldan.com or facebook.com slash liberaldan. Now, in the brief break, I was unable to find the eight-to-one ruling uh, that did not, where the where uh, Justice Thomas was the one who went against uh, the individual person, and it was oh uh, no, it's not it. I found eight-one, but it wasn't that. <laughs> um, but I did find another one that I had meant to talk about, which. Uh, briefly was the, the idea that the cross in Maryland uh, that was on public property uh, has been allowed to stand um, despite the fact that it's a cross. And I'm very, con- very concerned. About, I'm, I'm surprised more conservatives aren't concerned with this ruling because they basically said that a cross is a secular symbol. How the hell is a cross a secular symbol? Now, if you want to read a very well-written dissent, um, which I would hope would be used in the future, because sometimes dissents have been used. Arguments made in, made in dissents have been used to actually overturn previous rulings. Uh, Justice Ginsburg just laid it out as, as clear as day why the ruling of the majority was absolute hogwash. I'm shocked that Kagan Breyer, I think Breyer was one of the other two that joined the five conservatives on this cross case. But even if you had all four, you know, I just don't understand why they would rule in the way that they did. But before let's, before I talk about uh, the last show, which I deleted, uh, I included a hypocrite of the week. And that's another bit that I do if you're new to the show. And uh, so the hypocrite of the week was actually probably a hypocrite of a few weeks ago. Um, but I just wanted to, since I played it and I've deleted it, um, let's play it again. It'll be my new hypocrite of the week again. And next week I'll have a new one. So here we go. 
This week's Hypocrite of the Week is Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. At the end of the Obama presidency, we were told by Senator McConnell that we couldn't possibly vote on the vacancy that existed on the Supreme Court. It would have to wait until after the election. However, when asked if the same situation would occur in 2020, Senator McConnell said that they would get a vote. I didn't know turtles could pivot so fast. To find out who the next Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in next week to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And there you go. So uh, that was the hypocrite of the week, quote, unquote. Um, but I do want to talk about um, the, the election. Uh, we did have debates that took place uh, last week. And if you missed it, uh, I did live tweet them. Um, so you can always, again, follow me on Twitter, at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. And whatever debate I'm able to do so, I will be live tweeting them. I was going to do this show last week because my cable was fixed last week. My internet was fixed last week, but it was more important for you to watch the debate than to not watch my show (laughs) or not listen to my show, I should say, because, you know, I basically started from scratch listenership wise, but that's okay. You know, we'll grow. Um, So clearly if you watch the debates, you know, I predicted at the beginning that Warren would win the first debate and would win overall because she was shooting fish in a barrel. And she did. And I wasn't sure who was going to win the second one. And it clearly, at the end of the day, Harris, um, Kamala Harris won the debate. And I don't like saying that in that I'm not a big fan of Harris. I've done a show previously and I might have to do now that I have new internet and I sound better, supposedly, I I might have to do another show where I discuss Kamala Harris again and the problems that are her briefly. uh, She likes to keep innocent people in prison and she likes to lock up parents uh, with policies uh, that disproportionately harm poor black families uh, with truancy laws. And you can go on and on and on. Um, A lot of people will say she's a cop. Uh, I don't necessarily use that as a derogatory thing. Uh, There are definitely problems with policing. And I think her way of thinking is problematic and helps those problematic ways of policing. Um, Now, again, vote blue no matter who. I've been saying that since the last election. And also, but also I've been tweeting out and saying and arguing with everybody that I know that the most important thing from the last election was the Supreme Court. And no one wanted to listen to me then, and I have been vindicated, and as, as have everyone else who has argued that the most important thing in the election was the Supreme Court, because we now see what's the, what the problems are. Supreme Court was the most important thing. End of story. Because with all the other problems that are very important in our country, like social justice and uh, women's rights, gay rights, immigration reform, all of those, at the end of the day, rely on the Supreme Court and having the right people in the Supreme Court, or I should say the left people on the Supreme Court. But we screwed up. 70,000 votes in three states cost us. The presidency cost us President Hillary Clinton and gave us 
the doofus, the the dopey, gropey Donald Trump. So now we have to try and not make the same mistake again. So if it turns out that Kamala Harris is able to win, I don't specifically have an individual who I'm like, yes, I want I want this person to win at this moment. Um, my grandparents who have passed away in the last few years, uh, they did work on Joe Biden's initial campaigns. There's sort of a sentimental thing there, and, and, I, and I find it hard to, to not want to defend Uncle Joe. I mean, I never knew him, but everyone calls him Uncle Joe. So I, I find it hard to not want to defend. He was brilliant when, when he came and did his book tour. And, but yeah, I, I acknowledge that he had his problems. I disagree with his answer on um, I understand what he was saying when it came to busing that he didn't believe that the Department of Education uh, had the authority to tell um, individual school districts that they're busing how they should form their busing routes again like gerrymandering busing routes drawing lines on a map and you know the federal government doesn't necessarily have the authority to tell people how to draw lines on the map, but the federal government does have the authority to tell people how not to draw lines on their map. And what I would say, though, is that under the 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment grants Congress the authority to pass laws to deal with instances where states are not adequately protecting people equally under the law. So I, I disagree with Biden there on that. Now, but if Biden, if Biden winds up winning, he's still in first. He did take a hit from the last debate from Harris's attack. And a lot of people go, I mean, look, again, I don't like Kamala Harris. I don't blame her for what she did. I mean, I think the t-shirt thing was a little cheesy after the fact. I mean, don't anybody who thinks that she had those t-shirts for ready to go for sale you're an idiot too, because we live in a day and age where you can just submit a picture to it, like Cafe Press, and they'll print it. You can get T-shirts printed on demand rather quickly. So the idea that they had all the T-shirts ready—I mean, I, don't, I mean, they had the tweet ready, obviously. But look, I don't—I don't begrudge her for that. I, th- I think she needed to. She was on the more difficult debate stage randomly. And she needed to do something to elevate her above the rest of the crowd. As a candidate, that was her job. That was the job of her campaign staff to help her do it, and they executed that plan perfectly. Now, next debate, I would not be surprised to hear other candidates going after Harris's record as district attorney and as attorney general. Because as district attorney in San Francisco, I believe she had some problems, some, some, some policy issues uh, where she was very friendly with ICE. And as AG, well, <laughs> again, I, I could do a whole show because I've done a whole show and I probably will do a whole show again. I really don't want her to, to get the nomination. I really do not. Just no. Just no. But if she does... I'm going to have to vote for Kamala Harris, but 
that's way off. We still have 20 some odd candidates who have declared um, and who supposedly should be taken seriously. Although I've made a list of some who I don't believe. I've actually started tweeting. Um, I forget what the hashtag. That's a bad hashtag. You don't even remember what it is, but it's like time to leave or something like that, or, or some horrible hashtag. Just basically say the jig is up. You should not be running. Um, but there are some people who, without question, should not should 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 be running for president for the president Democratic nomination. And there, there are many reasons why there are people who are who are qualified to do so, but maybe should think of other things. For you know, I'm not saying they should be party. I'm I, I'm still registered non-party. I, I may very well switch back. You know, and the reason I, I've switched from being a Democrat to an independent voter in the state of Louisiana was because a it doesn't matter because all of our elections except for presidential primaries are open primaries. Therefore, you're not restricted to, I can vote for whoever I want to. I can support the Democratic candidate for Congress or for Senate or whoever, or any other position except for in the party primaries, because the Louisiana party primaries are closed. But again, vote blue no matter who. If it was going to be Sanders, if it was going to be Clinton, if it was going to be O'Malley, it wasn't going to be O'Malley, but if it was going to be O'Malley, I would have voted for him. I would have voted for Clinton. I did vote for Clinton. I would have voted for Bernie had he won. So it wasn't that big of a deal for me back then because I was going to vote blue no matter who. Now, in this case, maybe I want to throw my hand in a ring because I do think uh, Justice Department under Catherine Kamala Harris, I keep wanting to call her Catherine Harris because oy, um, that just gives me chills just saying Catherine Harris's name. Ugh. Bring back 2000 all back again. But there of the 20 some odd people who are running there are at least seven who i take no issue with running maybe one should just keep the senate seat cory booker he's running for re-election for the senate now i don't think that the the jersey senate seat is going to then flip red for whatever reason but the numbers in the senate are so close that we need to keep all hands that we have on deck. And if you're, I don't know, maybe let somebody else have a chance to run. If you're going to insist on being president uh, of the seven people who have listed here, who should be in without question, I have some question for him, but I'm not that worried about New Jersey going red, even though New Jersey has voted for Republican governors, maybe they've realized their mistake, but then again, is it really that, you know, can we really risk? I mean, we didn't think the country would make the mistake in voting for Donald Trump and they did. Well, most of the country didn't. More people voted for Hillary Clinton, but that doesn't matter. 70,000 people screwed us. But, all right, Elizabeth Warren, absolutely. She, should, she, she, she destroyed the first day. I think she won the whole thing because she's, so, she's such a – she knows her – she just – she will tell you everything that she knows, and she knows a lot. She's probably the smartest person on that stage and i understand why a lot of people want to support her i'm she's in my top whatever she's in my top oh i'm sorry maybe there should be eight people who maybe eight people okay so 
just realized I didn't include somebody on this list. <laughs> so Warren, absolutely sharpest attack, smartest person on the stage, most likely. I think she'll do well. The only drawback is that if she gets the nomination, we are going to have our country is going to be so embarrassed because Donald Trump, our sitting president, is going to be calling somebody Pocahontas at every campaign stop. He was doing it when she wasn't the candidate, when she was just out there helping Hillary Clinton. Even when she wasn't helping Hillary Clinton, he was bringing Pocahontas for whatever reason. Just, he's such an embarrassment. But I think she would still, I think she would, I know she would mop the floor with him in a debate. I think I would mop the floor with him in a debate. But again, Hillary Clinton mopped the floor with him in debates. Mopping the floor with him in debates isn't the issue. The issue is getting out the votes. And maybe those disaffected voters who went Bernie to Trump, who hopefully are now not happy with Trump, maybe she could get enough of those people and bring out the progressives and bring out the liberals and bring out the moderates and understand that she is a quality person. She absolutely deserves to be up there without question. Next. Joe Biden, former vice president. How can you not have him up? Say he deserves to be up there. A lot of people are going to say, Oh, his time is past. Um, People who shouldn't be on stage or most likely won't be on the stage for much longer. We're, we're telling him to pass the torch. Yeah. <laughs> Swalwell. is interesting. I get to him in a bit. But, you know, he's had a few bumps in the road, obviously, but he's still polling top. As long as you're the top poller, as long as you're getting in the top four, there's no reason why you – oh, I did have him up there. Never mind. As long as, as long as you're in the top four, there's no reason to leave the race unless – you're only looking at, you know, unless the fourth is like single digits at that point, and there's only three, four people in the race. And, and if, if, you're, if you're four people in a race and you're in single digits, then there needs to be three people in the race. But I think Biden, again, would mop the floor with Trump on debates. I think he brings lots of pluses. He has his negatives. I understand that. Um, I don't think you know it, are, is he going to lose a significant chunk of people as compared to the ones he'll bring back on like the Scranton folks? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say that for certain. Um, but he there's to, as to say as to whether or not he should be on that stage or not, he absolutely should be on that stage. Bernie Sanders again. He did very well in the last election. Hopefully, if he wants to win. This election, he'll learn from his mistakes from the last time and not ignore the South. Uh, any candidate who ignores the South in these primaries is just an idiot. Because there are lots of progress. There's lots of delegates to be won in the South. You don't need to worry about the South potentially in in the in the general election because yeah, the South's going to probably go Republican. Although when Obama beat Hillary Clinton in the primaries, he did so with a strategy of attracting 
a lot of progressive voters in the South, and he managed to win North Carolina in 2008. So there's an advantage to, go, to going down this. You might get surprises. And with some states and how close they are, I mean, Georgia? Georgia. It was very close for the governor's race last time. Stacey Abrams should have won Georgia. We'll get Stacey Abrams in a second. Kamala Harris, she is polling, and some polls have her at number two now. I don't like her, again, but she could be on that stage, and she's proven why she'll be on the stage. She'll also kick Donald Trump's ass in a debate. Uh, we've seen how she's gone after people in the Senate, uh, and she, again, very impressive abilities that she has to be able to go after what she wants to go after. Unfortunately, who she's gone after is her problem in the past, and that's why I'm rooting against her. <laughs> but as to if I'm going to be impartial or truthful or whatever you want to call it, Kamala Harris deserves to be on that stage as just right up there with Warren, Biden, Bernie. Pete, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. And I've heard, like you take, you say judge and Buddha, then you flip it, Buttigieg. And if that's the way you're supposed to pronounce it, apparently. So there you go. Lesson from Google Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Um, he has come up and he has some issues with policing in his town. And, I, from what I've seen of him, I like him. I think he's currently potentially popular enough to, to justify him being on the stage. And I, I think he brings talent. And just remember this though, with all these people that I'm talking about, where was Bill Clinton after the, you know, in the early polling single digits, maybe he was maybe the top 10. I think he was number nine in one of the polls. Bill Clinton won. And he was, but he was also a governor, so he had that going for him. But Bill Clinton won, you know, after being like ninth place at the beginning. So you don't know any of these people could quickly skyrocket, and many other people could quickly fall. Um, the other person who I think should be up there without question, and this is maybe a little weird, Mayor De Blasio. He made he didn't have a lot of time to talk, but he made some really good points. Like he gets he he does he seems to get it. Now, some people from New York were like, "Come on, enough already about your son." Um, but a lot of other people in the nation was like, "Oh, isn't that cute?" Or "Oh, is that nice?" You know, he's raising a black son. Okay. Now, obviously, you don't want to lean on that, but you know, if, if you're a white person raising a black child, you probably know a little bit more than the majority of white people in America about the issues that that child might have to face. Especially, you know, obviously, your wife's black, and you have her lived experiences to go off of. Now, of course, it's going to be nine o'clock, but I always plan my shows to go a little over, so we're going to go over. So, and then, of course, Cory Booker rounding out those seven who I think can be on the stage with very few questions. I'll say it, say it that way. Little, There's very few questions as to why these people should be up there. 
polling high enough, popular enough, name recognition, etc. Those are people who who up there. Now, governors who are running, Steve Bullock, Inslee, and Hickenlooper. I love his Twitter handle. It's just Hickenlooper. It's not Gov Hickenlooper. It's not John Hickenlooper. It's just Hickenlooper. Now, Inslee, pull up Inslee for a second. I wanted to talk about Inslee first, but I don't have lots in my there you go. Jay Inslee, governor of Washington. Um currently I don't think Washington State is in any risk of, you know, as a governor you're not really of any risk. The state of Washington is not up for grabs in the state. So Inslee probably should should be on that debate stage. Fine. I think he made some, some decent points. I don't think he's gonna win, but Inslee made some made some arguments as to why he should be on the stage. I might not agree with everything he says, but whatever. Steve Bullock and Hickenlooper. Again, just by them being governor, either currently or in the past. You make a strong argument as to why you should be included in the conversation of over president. You, you've been the chief executive of your state. It's no small task. You, you, that, that brings a certain amount of, I hate the word, but veritas, that, that you could just, you're, you're a governor. They refer to you as governor. <laughs> it has a lot of ways in and of itself. But Bullock, he's the governor of Montana. Montana has an incumbent who's coming up for election, and whoever the party nominee is will run against that incumbent. Now, again, we have a Democratic governor of a red state who is popular. He is a popular governor. People like him. He should run for Senate. It's, it's, he should run for Senate. Looking at 270towin.com right now, um, 51 Republicans are – the Senate decided to have at least 51 Republicans, 46 Democrats, two independents, um, with three states that are kind of in the, the gray area. You don't know. You got Doug Jones, a Democrat, who's in Alabama. If Colorado, Cory Gardner is a Republican – We'll get to that in a second. You have Arizona, who you have a, an incumbent Republican, or, or she just won, I think, and it's possible that whoever is going to be in that election, who's going to be the party nominee. Um, but you need at least two more wins than what you're currently slated to have. You need to take away two Republican seats and not lose any Democratic seats. So, But since you have Alabama as one of your seats, you, you need to take three seats on top of what you have and assume that you might lose Alabama. What's the path of those three seats? Well, if you have a popular Democratic governor in Montana who could very well win the Senate race, Bullock should run for Senate. Colorado, 
Cory Gardner. Terrible, terrible, terrible Republican. And not by meaning that he's a bad Republican, i.e. that Republicans don't like him, but he's just a horrible person. Hickamooper. John Hickamooper. And popular governor. I did a lot of good things. He, he, he got up there. I didn't like him railing against the socialism as much as he did. He's going to turn a lot of voters off, I think, that way. Maybe he's trying to be the anti-Biden. I don't know. But they reduced abortions by reducing teen pregnancies, by increasing access to birth control, and they legalized marijuana and brought in lots of money to their state. He has, a, he has successfully run his state. And you might say, well, obviously he should use that to springboard to be the president. He could do that later. There's time for that later. How old is he? How old is Hickenlooper? Hickenlooper is, was born in 52. In eight years, he'll still be younger than Biden is now. He has time. He should run. And, and if, if Hickenlooper could win Colorado and Bullock can win Montana, there's two. There's two pickups right there. That's helping you retake the Senate. You just need, well, at that point, if everything else stays the same, you'd be at 49. But even if, even if the Democrats lost Alabama, you'd be at 50. The Democrats win the presidency, you win the Senate because you have the vice president as the tie. So in reality, you just, if you're going to win the presidency, you just need two. But you can't, again, we screwed this up last time. So we really need three. We really need three gains to protect against the one potential loss in Alabama. Hickenlooper in Montana. I'm sorry. Hickenlooper in Colorado. Bullock in Montana does that. Inslee can stay in the race because that's not going to affect anything whatsoever. Now, someone who should have been governor but isn't is Stacey Abrams. And I would love to see Stacey Abrams up on that debate stage. Strong, powerful, intelligent black woman. Just She checks lots of the boxes that you want to see. I would love to see President Stacey Abrams. But guess what? Georgia is, on this map at least, is very light pink. David Perdue, first-term senator, in a presidential election race, I mean, this wasn't a presidential election, and she just narrowly missed it because of shenanigans that took place because of the person who beat her put into place these rules that kicked too many voters off the rolls and stole the election. So I think with a strong Democratic candidate, Helping out Abrams, I think Abrams could win that seat. And that, there's your third seat, right? Then and there, you, you Abrams wins Georgia for Senate, Colorado, Hickenlooper wins Colorado, Bullock wins Montana. Boom, 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 done. There's three seats. You pick it up, even if you lose Alabama, you end up with 51 seats. I believe that's right. 
You end up with, you end up, you end up, you end up with 51. You leave the Republicans with 49 seats. Because they lose three, they gain one. That puts them at 49. And the Democrats then control the Senate and hopefully the House. So, who else is running? What, what other things do we have to worry about? Uh, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett is currently a senator from Colorado. He is not running for re-election. So, He's not in a situation where he's not in a situation where he's necessarily hurting anybody. But if he would win, then you, the Democrats lose a seat for a, a second until it gets replaced, and then it's a special election, so you don't have the turnout of a regular election. So what happens if a Gardner can come right back in and win that race? I have my hesit. I think Bennett should stay in the Senate. Bennett should stay in the Senate. I'm a poet. Look at that. Julian Castro. I'm going to talk about Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke. Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke nearly won Texas by himself. Now, John Cornyn's running for re-election. John Cornyn would be a tough cookie to beat but he's not listed as safe he's not listed as safe at all it's not a dark red there is a chance that a democrat could unseat him better work almost beat Cruz he should have that he (laughs) now one of the two better work or Julian Castro should be running for that. Uh, some would argue that should be Beto running for that Texas Senate seat. Maybe, but he already lost, so I don't know. Other people are saying, well, well in that case, well, would Julian Castro make more sense to run for that Senate seat? Well, I, I kind of think that Julian Castro, you don't lose anything by having him stop being mayor. Actually, he's not even mayor. He was mayor. You don't lose anything by him winning. So, and he really knew his stuff. I mean, I I went from liking Castro to really liking Castro. I I think I think it makes more sense to keep Castro on the debate stage and let and and have Beto try and win that Texas seat, even though you don't necessarily need a Texas seat. Let him win the Texas. Although, if 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 polling would show that Castro running for the Texas Senate would enable him to win Texas and then maybe even enable Texas to flip blue, then, yeah, Castro should be running for Senate and not Beto. But one of those two should be running for the Senate seat. The other one uh, I'm fine with being running for president. John Delaney from Maryland. The only thought I had about him was that I think he was put there by like like conspiracy theory hat was like is this guy put there by Republicans to to just kind of throw a monkey wrench in the works because I don't see it I don't no he just no he needs to go he's one of my needs to go people I think that was the hashtag hashtag needs to go uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I just, 
there are a lot of people who like her. She brings the military experience with her. But with that comes some military baggage. She's kind of cozied up to some, like she, she suggested that maybe we would have been better keeping murderous secular dictators in the Middle East. Uh, I mean, and she has a history of being, uh, of supporting conversion therapy. Now she said she apologizes for it. And I want to give people credit for being able to admit they're wrong. I talked about that earlier in the show, how it's a strength to admit you're wrong. If she really, really, really believes that she's wrong on that, that she was wrong on that and changed, has changed her mind and fine. Not my position. That's not my position to determine whether or not she's believable on that. That's up to LGBT folk, uh, and, and I'll listen to them. And if they if, if they feel uncomfortable with her as president, then I feel uncomfortable with her as president. So she did. Uh, Tim Ryan, I think, kicked kicked his butt pretty well in her one moment, where she was like, "Uh, no." But if, if all you're known for for the debate is correcting an idiot for for making an idiot comment. You, you, maybe you shouldn't be on stage. Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator from New York. Again, I don't think you necessarily risk anything. New York Senate seat is going to stay in Democratic hands regardless. If she wants to stay on the stage, fine. You know, I'm not going to be mad at her for it. Uh, if having a woman president is important to you, I think it would be an important thing to have a woman president and cause you know, if had all these men, why not have a woman? Uh, not, I, I just, I just think that if you do want a woman president, perhaps it's a good idea for some of the lower polling women to get out of the race and, and, and allow the stronger women like uh, Harris uh, or Warren. Yay. Uh, to, to let to get higher in the polls, you know. So so if you, if you're a woman who's supporting like a Tulsi Gabbard, or Kristen Gillibrand, or Amy Klobuchar, if you're supporting those, you know, and 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 if it's because you have a lot of great candidates on the field, but breaking through that glass ceiling is important to you, it'd be a great thing if it happened. But if it may be for those people, you might want to consider just letting Warren and Harris have their day and run away with it. I think the longer more women stay in the race, it's possible that allows men to kind of get up there and, 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 and out-muscle, outpace them. Now, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if more women stay in the race, maybe at some point the top four will be all women. Hey, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I don't think Sanders and Biden are going away. I don't think Castro is going away anytime in the near future. Many others. I think that if you want to have a woman president, um, some of the women who are currently running might need to just kind of take a step back and say, okay, no. Um, Mike Gravel. Former senator from Alaska for a very long time, uh, ran for president in 2008, 89. I, 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 
he would have to just impress me significantly with something in order for me to justify. At this point, I just think it's a novelty act. Um, yeah, and he actually, and he has one thing that's going to harm him is he switched to the Libertarian Party after losing in the Democratic parties. So. I just don't see him as being anywhere. Maybe if he wants to switch again, maybe he can run as a Republican. I don't know. There is a Weld. Weld is running as a Republican. Weld ran, I think, for VP of the Libertarian Party last time. Probably have just about as much success running for the Republican primaries because, you know, the Republicans get in line. That's for the, that's for sure. Um, Wayne, I don't, I don't know enough about Wayne, Wayne Metham. If I'm pronouncing it right, current mayor of uh, Miramar, Florida. I, I I don't think he has enough. Seth Moulton, U.S. representative. I don't think many U.S. representatives make a good case just for being U.S. representatives to run for president. The same argument could be made about Beto. He was a former U.S. representative. Eh, I don't think that. I, I, I just don't think that it either of them are going to make it far enough. Tim Ryan? No. He lost it when he said that the Taliban attacked us on 9-11. You can't make that mistake on the bait stage. You're just gone. Done. Uh, needs to Hashtag needs to go. C-Stack. Joe Sestak. Former representative from Pennsylvania. Lost U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania in 2010 and 2016. He lost the Senate race twice. Why? If he can't win his own state twice, why do I think he's going to win presidency? I don't know. I fit. He started his campaign June 22nd. I think he just needs hashtag needs to go. Done. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. I'm not mad at him for being on the stage. He brings up some interesting ideas. The idea of universal income is one that I've toyed with. It's a struggle to figure out how to pay for it. Alaska does it. Alaska gives their people money based off of revenues. I think potentially we could fund it in in and of, in and of itself by if you decriminalize marijuana, tax it, help use that to pay for it. Maybe. Maybe the amount of money swings up and down based on how many people are smoking pot. I don't know. I'm not mad at him for running. I don't think he's going to make it very far. Um, I could be wrong again. Where was Bill Clinton in the in the early uh, parts of his first campaign for president? Swalwell had again had one good moment in the debate when he told Mayor Pete when he told Buttigieg that uh, he should have fired the police chief because the police didn't have the body cameras like they should have. It was a strong moment for him. Uh, he was also trying to tell people to pass the torch, pass the torch, pass the torch. It's cute. I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he'll win. You never know. I'm not hashtagging him yet that he needs to go. But he's close. I predicted that he would be the first person I hashtag needs to go before the second debate on Thursday. And I was wrong because 
Last but not least, author, author, lecturer, and activist, Marianne Williamson. Oh, does she hashtag need to go? Hashtag needs to go squared. If I could make it any bigger, I would. Why? Because she had the nerve to suggest that Oh, somebody chimed in in the chat. Said YT and then left. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if they called it or not because I've been looking at this other page real quick. Um, anyway, she, besides, what was the first thing you do as president? She said, I'm going to call the president of New Zealand and tell her that she's wrong, that now the United States is the best place to raise a kid. Because apparently the president of New Zealand uh, said that the New Zealand is the best place to raise a kid. Is that really the first thing you do? I don't know. Maybe if I was up there I, and you asked me what the first thing I'd do was, I'd be like, I would pardon everybody who I could who is in jail for a pot crime. Something bold, something big, something that, I mean, might be seen as controversial by some, but if you're in jail for a nonviolent uh, nonviolent uh just a possession charge. I think we can let you go. But that's not what makes me make Marianne Williamson hashtag needs to go. She's hashtag needs to go because she said that in a time of John F. Kennedy, that politics in America was for everybody. When was John F. Kennedy president again? In the early 60s? I shared on, on uh, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, the Liberal Dan Facebook page. I shared an image. That image was from 1963 before Kennedy was assassinated with firemen shooting people with water hoses, fire hoses. Politics was not for everybody in that time. You've got to be some kind of stupid to make that statement. Now, she did seem a little high on stage. Don't get me wrong, but, but maybe it's just her hippiness that made her seem a little high. But the idea that politics was for everybody in the early 60s, no, it wasn't. You have a, you have a group of people getting fire hoses turned on them, dogs turned on them, fighting for their civil rights before the passage of the 1965 civil rights legislation. And you're going to sit here and try and tell me that politics is for everybody? I mean, there are a lot of black activists. But there are people clearly telling black people they, that they shouldn't be in doing these things. So, no. That in and of itself made her hashtag needs to go. Anyway, that's my rundown of the – I mean, there are a bunch of people. I think there are – 240 candidates who filed with the FBC uh, who want to run for president under the Democratic primary. Apparently, there's some notable, notable ones. Michael Arth, who's an urban designer, political scientist. Uh, Harry Braun, renewable energy consultant researcher. Ben Glebe, uh, actor, comedian, satirist, writer. Let me see if I know that person. I really don't. <laughs> Um, Amy Horowitz, 
right-wing activist, which is very weird, I guess, but she's running for the Democratic nomination. Go figure. Um, Ken Nwadiki Jr., uh, peace activist, Robbie Wells, former college football coach, uh, Richard Ojeda, Ojeda uh, West Virginia State Senator. I don't know, but he dropped out of the race already. Uh, a bunch of other people, a list of long people who have declined to be candidates. And of course, you know, again, you have Stacey Abrams, who I talked about before, who is not officially running, but I do think she should, even though I would love to see her on the stage, like I would, you know, I love to see the women on the stage be Harris, uh, Warren, and Abrams. Even though I don't like Harris, but Harris is going to be there, so it, it's stupid for me to think that she won't. So I'm going to be a realist. But having Abrams on that stage, I think, would be very interesting. I think she still needs to run for Senate. I think it would be the best for the country for her to run for Senate. Anyway, that is the end of this week's show. Um, I will be back next week, assuming that the audio turns out all right. Um, and we'll be talking about more issues, more politics. I may even try and redo the abortion issue next week unless enough other issues come up between now and then. But to find out more about when the next show is and what the topic's going to be, follow me Facebook.com slash LiberalDan, LiberalDan.com, uh, at LiberalDanRadio on Twitter. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan as well. You can follow me at all those places. Uh, Until next week, uh, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.